This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. All right, good morning, everybody. Glad you are here today. Happy Thanksgiving week. We are so thankful for you as a church. We are thankful to get to be your pastors. We are thankful for the dream team. And and if you're here today, we're thankful for you. Thankful that you have uh, chosen to spend part of your weekend with us today. And I'm excited to talk about marriage today. It's one of those topics that we are really passionate about as a couple, as pastors, because we believe that if we can help strengthen people's marriages and we strengthen families and we can strengthen the individual in marriages, then we can raise strong children. We can raise strong children who will strengthen the church and be able to impact the world. And so uh, I have a, just one basic thought I want to share with you on marriage. But before I jump into it, this whole series about blessed, be, being uh, a recipient of God's blessing is directly related to our obedience to God. And that was really week one of the messages. Are we going to walk in obedience to God? Because that's really what positions us for God's blessing. And and anytime I really teach this message, I always just picture an umbrella. And so I thought, why just picture an umbrella when we could have an umbrella? Not really a prop kind of person, but here we are today. And when it comes to God's blessing, a lot of times we try to ask God to bless our mess. You know the moment you've been at a restaurant, you've got a deep fried, breaded, stuffed with cheese, chiliriano, topped with cheese, and you're like, God, bless this meal. And God's like, man, like, I'm, I'm supernatural, but I'm not magical. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I'll bless some carrots or some broccoli, that kind of thing. A lot of times we're, 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 living in a mess and then expecting God to bless it. And so this whole series, Blessed, and even in regards to our marriage, is about really our relationship with God. Are we going to come under God's authority to also come under his blessing? This is why I am under an umbrella today. (laughs) This umbrella represents God's authority in our lives. And what happens is when we can come outside of that, but to still receive the blessing, And what happens is when we can come in alignment with God and we can come under God's authority, we also are are making a choice that will position us to also be under God's provision and God's protection. We're outside over there uncovered. God's protection and his provision is available to us, but we're outside over there uncovered in the storm. And maybe we feel like we're getting pellet, like, hit in the face with hail and all kinds of stuff. And we're like, God, protect me. He's like, yes, come over here. Come over here where there's protection. Come over here where there's provision. Under God's authority is also under God's provision and under God's protection. And I think sometimes when we live outside of that, we, we are position, we're, we're exposed to the enemy's attacks. We're no longer under God's covering. So to be under God's covering is to also accept his authority in our lives. So this message of blessing, this message of, of obedience is also that of accepting God's authority in our lives. So I'll just say all the buzzwords right off the bat so we can get them out of our system because they're words that our culture is very uncomfortable with. Authority. Like we can all shiver a little bit. That's okay. We're talking about God's authority in our lives. We're talking about being obedient to Christ. The word obey to so just make you shudder. The word submission, 
Like these are all words that are very unpopular. So I just thought, you know what? I'm going to jump in the deep end. I'm going to say them all in one message. We'll, we'll make it through together. But when we come under God's authority, we position ourselves for his blessing. So many times we're outside of that, asking God to bless us, but it comes from being under his covering of authority. Obedience always precedes God's favor. It's not the other way around. We don't find God's favor and then obey later. Our obedience positions us to walk in God's favor. This is true for many key areas of our lives. And there are certain key areas of our lives that we want God's blessing but we're, we're not submitted to his authority. A lot of times we're spending like wild people financially. We're not tithing, we're not generous, we're stingy, we're not disciplined, but we're asking God to bless our finances. You are outside of God's authority, asking him to bless it. But if we will come under God's authority with our finances, then God can really bless us. And that was last week's message. And today we're talking about the same thing within our marriages. And if we, if we want God to bless our marriages, we need to come under God's authority and, and do marriage the way God says to do marriage. We want God to bless our marriages, so we need to be married in the way that God says to be married. Marriage is one of the biggest impacts we will have on our children. Uh, marriage is one of the biggest ways we, can, we will impact the next generation. Psalm 112 says it this way. It says, blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. We want our children, our personal children and our children of this church, we want them to be considered mighty in the land. This is the children right now. These will, this will be the first generation of children to be raised in a fully post-Christian world. What are we doing to prepare them to be mighty in the land? What are we doing to prepare them to walk in a world that is totally contrary to biblical values? But if we will walk in the ways of the Lord, this is how we do it, is that we walk in the ways of the Lord. We obey his commands with delight, with delight. It, it's good for us. When we teach our children to mind or obey, we expect them to do it with a happy heart. Our children are not allowed to stomp their way into obedience, not allowed to slam the door in obedience. You're going to have to back that up. You're stomping up the stairs. Come back down. Let's try it again. We're going to do it with a happy heart today. You slam the door in my face. We're going to have to open the door. We're going to, I'll give you another chance to try it again. I've slammed doors. I've stomped my way around. But you get the point. The point is that the attitude in which we obey matters. It says those who find great delight in his commands, their children will be mighty in the land. Those who, who live under God's authority, not outside of it, their children will be mighty in land. If you want to raise your children to be mighty in the land, regardless of what that land looks like, post-Christian or not, we will do that by obeying God's commands. We're going to look at that today in regards to marriage. It says, the generation of the upright will be blessed. The generation of the upright. And we're going to look at how we live that out today in our marriages. And I just want to take a moment here to acknowledge Anyone who has gone through the pain of divorce, I just want to acknowledge that sometimes the church doesn't always know, or maybe there's not a history of churches coming alongside and supporting people as they have walked through the pain of divorce. And statistically, probably most of us in here have in some way or another been impacted by divorce. In fact, divorce characterizes much of my own story in my own childhood. My parents divorced when I was 10. And I know this is not like a really popular thing to say as a pastor, but um, I, I know that there are worse things than divorce. 
I experienced it in the volatile years of my parents' marriage before they were divorced. And that's something that's hard. Like abuse, that's, that's worse than divorce. Infidelity is extremely difficult. I've seen many couples recover from that. But divorce brings with it a certain amount of, of pain and sorrow and sadness. And we want this to be a place where you can find hope and healing and complete restoration. And we aim to come alongside you as, as family. We want, we want to be a, a, a part of the story that can help bridge the gap for you and your family. We want to come alongside you and support you and, and be in relationship with your kids. And we just, we want to help bridge some of that. So as the word says that God does not condemn you for those things and neither do we as the church. And we want you to find hope and healing today if that is still something that has um, maybe been part of your story also. So if marriage is God's design, which we believe that it is. We believe that marriage is God's design, then we also are going to allow God to define it. He designed it. He defines it. As kingdom-minded Christians, as design. Laws that are passed, but government does not get to redefine what God has designed. God designs marriage. We're going to allow God to define marriage. And part of this is because we trust that God is good. We trust that God is good. So marriage, by biblical definition, is inherently between a man and a woman. And this is not hate speech. This is not being unloving. This is not me being unkind. This is me being as loving as possible to tell the truth because when we get outside of God's authority for life, then we're exposed to all kinds of stuff. You're exposed to flying debris in the storm and you're exposed to hell and, and it, it's not what God has in store for you. What God has in store for you is protection and provision and we find that under the authority and the covering of what God has in store for us. And we have to trust him in that. We have to trust God's character, that God is good, that God is faithful, that God has good things in store for me. He's not trying to keep me, he's not trying to keep something good from me. God has good things for me. And I can trust he's not trying to keep anything from me. He's trying to protect me and, and position me to walk in a way where I can experience his goodness, his blessing, and his favor. And I think that sometimes things that get labeled as hate speech, if we knew the, the message behind the gospel, we would see it as the most loving thing possible. It is not hate speech to say that marriage is between a man and a woman because this is the way that God has designed it. He says in Genesis 2, 24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. It's inherently about gender. It's like trying to describe parenting without describing gender. How do you describe a mom and a dad without talking about gender? This is God's design for family. This is God's design for family. And it's, and it's not because he's trying to keep anything from us. Imagine you're baking a cake for Thanksgiving. And you've got the box cake and it has the ingredients and it has all the things that you're supposed to do. And you get this cake and you're trying to make something nice for somebody, but you get a little rogue with it. You get a little wild. You decide that you're going to improvise a little bit. You're, gonna, you're going to not regard the designer's instructions and you're going to go off on your own. You're like, salt, it's a teaspoon. Who needs the salt? As a pre-Thanksgiving meal for you, I'm just letting you know you need the salt. I know it's a dessert. It's weird. I don't understand the science behind it, but you need the teaspoon of salt. You need the salt. But you're baking a cake 
and you're putting in the ingredients, but you decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweak this a little bit. I think I know better than Betty Crocker. She put this together. She had the labs and the prototypes, all the things. I probably could do better. Allow me. No, I'm not going to need this salt. Let's double up on this. Maybe you're just going to tweak it here. And then you get your cake and you bite into it, and it's not what you expected. It doesn't meet the fullness of your expectations. There's this moment where it's, this is not what I expected. And then you're mad. And you call up Betty Crocker. And you're like, Betty, I wanted you to bless this. Like, I thought this was going to be a cake that I could share with my family. This is, this is not good. And Betty's like, ma'am, you didn't even include the salt. Like, I gave you instructions. You did not follow them. I think a lot of times we're trying to live our lives outside of God's instructions and then we get mad at him and expect him to bless that which is outside of his design for our lives. So it's actually most loving and kind to say, this is the best that God has for you. This is the best that God has for you. And we can trust that his ways are good because we know that God does not make mistakes. God does not make mistakes when he defines what marriage is. God does not make mistakes when he defines what gender is. I find it actually very cruel to tell a child that they're born in the wrong gender. Like how cruel to tell a child that every cell of their body is telling them a lie. Because our gender is inherently, it, it determines how our brains work. It determines the chemicals in our body. It determines our musculature and our skeletal system. It determines all of these things about us. So to be wrong in this one core thing means that everything else about us is also wrong. And to me, that's cruel. That's, that's, not, that's not kind or loving. It's loving to say, no, God does not make mistakes. God is good and he is for you and he is faithful. He designed you and he's going to define you. God designed marriage and he did not make a mistake when he says, this is how you should be married. It's most loving because he says, this is where there's blessing. This is where there's favor. This is where there's fulfillment. And I have good things in store for you. Here are the instructions. Here are the ingredients. Will you trust me? There's I am good and I have good things in store for you. There's an ongoing metaphor through the whole Bible. And it's inherently also about gender. The Bible refers to the church as the bride of Christ. So even if so, here today and you're like, I'm not even married. Well, maybe one day you will be. So I hope this is helpful to you. Also, the heart of this message is about surrendering our lives to Christ and trusting him. It's about walking in obedience and, and trusting that he is good and, and coming under his authority in all parts of our lives. And as the bride of Christ, we're to respond to him as, we are, as we're going to discover and we unpack in these scriptures. And if you are single today, I want you to know that you are not in the wrong season. That God has you exactly where you're supposed to be. That he, and I want, you, I want to encourage you today to trust him with the journey that you are on. There was one time we were on a trip, on a family trip. So automatically the uh, stress levels, you know, not starting off at zero. And we were trying to like, let's turn our phones off on this trip. Like, like let's not use our phones at all. And so I was like, what if we didn't even use our phones for the map? What if we went old school and, and used a paper map? And he was trying to like jive with me on this. And we were trying to use the paper map. I just want you to know, as, as much as we need to pull back from digital use and consumption in our phones, maps are a good thing. I don't care how dumb they make us. Like, maps on our phones, they are a good thing. They are a good thing. 
I wonder how I learned my way around the bus metroplex area when I was 19, 20 years old. I do, I do not know because I did not have maps on a phone. But on this trip, I was like, hey, let's use this, this paper map. We mapped it out. We were, we were trying. We were trying. And then finally he's like, I've had about enough of this. You know, you get to those moments sometimes. And I think sometimes those can be anointed moments where you're like, I've had about enough of this. So he's using his phone map, but we were still trying to follow this map. And it was my way and his way. And it ended up we were lost. No surprise there. We ended up lost. And then also we got a ticket in a different state and it just was adding to the frustration. God's word for us is a map that is neither her way or his way. It's God's way and it's the best way. So it's, we, can, we can be married the best way that God has for us. There are five top reasons for divorce. I want you to see what they are. In this series alone, we're talking about most of them. The, one of the top reasons for divorce is money. We talked about that last week, and it's not because the church needs anything from you. We want something for you. If you don't learn how to steward your resources and your finances, how can God bless that? It can actually prevent you from walking in the fullness that God has for you if you don't learn how to steward your money. And it destroys marriages. So money, in-laws. The Bible says that he will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So your top priority and responsibility is now to your spouse. There's the message on in-laws. We don't have a whole Sunday on it, but there you go. Today, we're talking a little bit about communication. Number four is sex. I believe that if you can communicate well about money with your spouse and you can communicate well about family situations, it's going to help you with number four. And then next week, all that just adds up to lots of kids and babies and be fruitful and multiply. So next week, we're going to talk about parenting, how God can bless us in our parenting. But these are the top five reasons. And so the Trying to come alongside marriages and help is why we want to talk about these things. Not because we're trying to get anything from you. We're trying to help strengthen you as an individual, strengthen you as a couple, so you can raise the children who are going to be mighty in the land. That's why we talk about these things. So our two points for today. I have two points. can keep it super simple. I'm going to tell you what the two points are up front. It is to love, and it is about unity. Love and unity. These are the two points that we're going to talk about today. So our first point, love. What does God say about love? How can we love the way that God tells us to? Within our marriages, how can we love well? If you're not married, how can you love well? This is our commandment from Christ is that we love well. As you head into the holiday seasons, how can you love well? If you are single and one day you want to be married, I think that these are some great things to look for as you look for a spouse. So what does God say about how we should love? Well, the Bible's full of of information on this. We're gonna look at one verse. It's 1 John 3, 18. It says, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Actions and in truth. So love is not just a deeply held emotion in our heart. These aren't just thoughts we think in our head and then we treat people however we want. That's incongruent. When you love somebody, there are actions that follow. When you love God, there are actions that follow. We don't just sing worship songs to God and then go out and live like the devil. We sing worship songs to God and we love God and then that's reflected in the way that we live our lives. So when it comes to loving our spouses, we're going to love the way that God says to love. And it's not in just a word. It's in deed. It's in action. 
First John 3.16. You probably, you may know John 3.16. Here's First John 3.16. It says, this is how we know what love is. This is how we know what it even is. It says, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That includes our spouses. We should lay down our lives for one another. So, so love is action and love is sacrificial. Love cannot truly be love if it doesn't take you to the point of it being sacrificial, laying down your life for someone. I cannot say I love my children and then only, only meet their needs when it's convenient for me. So to love our spouses well means that it's in action, it's in deed, and, it, and it's to a point of it being sacrificial. So with these two points as our foundation, we've laid, laid a few layers of, of foundation. This is how God defines marriage. This is what love is. Love is indeed, and not indeed, in action and deed. And love is sacrificial. Here's a thought for us today on how we live that out. How do we live out sacrificial love? Here's a thought for you. If it matters to my spouse, it matters to me. If it matters to my spouse, it matters to me. If, if my spouse is communicating something that they need because I care about them and because love is sacrificial, in action I respond, not just in word or deed. I respond in action and sacrificially. So if my spouse has communicated something that they need, I can respond to it. It should matter to me. If it matters to them, it matters to me. Ephesians chapter 5 is going to be the, the longest scripture we look at today. It's one of the key scriptures on marriage. And if we're talking about marriage, even as like a list of ingredients, there are two key ingredients. And it doesn't really matter how, how small, if it's that teaspoon of salt uh, that we just think maybe doesn't matter or whatnot. There are two key ingredients for marriage that are outlined here in Ephesians chapter 5. So let's look at what it says in verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And we could just stop there. Like this is, this is our call as Christians and how we respond to all people around us is that we yield to one another. I really like the word yield and not because the word submit bothers me. I've made peace with that word. It was difficult when I was 19 and young and independent and self-sufficient. It was a little bit of a struggle for me to fully understand it. I hope even messages like today can help reconcile with that word. But if you can think of the word as yield, like you're yielding to one another, you're deferring to one another, but it says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then it goes on to explain these two ingredients for us in marriage. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, which he is the savior. And I know if you're, if you're a female, if you're a wife, this teaching can be difficult. I hope to bring uh, some context to it today and help bring some freedom to, to maybe where there's some tension with that. So, so also wives should submit to their own husbands in everything. Let me back up a little bit. For husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ... So also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So wives don't usually like that part. It's a little bit difficult, but then we get fired up about this next part. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. 
and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. I love that it just owns it here. This is a mystery. This is a mystery. It's a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Listen to this, verse 33. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So we're going to talk about two Two main ingredients or two gears that make a marriage work the way that God has designed. If we trust God with his design of marriage and the way he defines marriage, then we can trust God with these two important ingredients in marriage as well, and it's love and respect. And that's actually a great book that we highly recommend to married couples. It's called Love and Respect. And and the author talks about how we can get on this crazy cycle in our marriages because the wife is craving love. And so to crave love, she's acting in ways and treating him in ways that makes him feel disrespected. And because he feels disrespected, he acts unloving. And because he's being unloving, she's not being respectful. And you get on this crazy cycle. And his encouragement in the book is that one person just has to get off that crazy cycle and you can start on the energizing cycle where regardless of how the other person's treating you, you can respond with love and you can respond with respect. And, and, and the way that God has designed us is that when a husband is acting lovingly, then the wife responds with respect. And when a wife responds with respect, then the husband responds with love and you can get on this energizing cycle. And I know sometimes in marriage, we can be on this track and then like sometimes we kind of fall off, right? We by no means have a perfect marriage, but we have had a long marriage. We've been married a long time. That sounds like a negative thing. I mean, it is a good thing. We've had a a long, great marriage. Not perfect, but we have experience. We have been married for a long time. We've walked with lots of married couples. And I have seen this. We've seen this and experienced how it's played out in our own marriage. And actually, even as I was preparing this message, I was just kind of reflecting and thinking back how God has really um, shown himself in this way with these two gears of love and of respect. And probably one of the most meaningful ways that this showed up in our marriage was when we were expecting Kaylin. And I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. It was always the dream that I had. I wasn't always sure what I was going to do career-wise, but I knew that I, when we had kids that I wanted to stay home. And so I quit my job teaching, which meant that our income was cut in half. And he was on staff at another church, not making bank, like not enough to cover like, like a, another income that was there. But because he sacrificially wanted me to have all that I needed, I, I have consistently in his choices been his top priority. And I've actually kind of like thought back through that, even as I was preparing this week, like all the times where it's like, I know that, that I am his top line of filtering when he makes decisions. And he has done that consistently and faithfully year after year after year after year. And because he consistently leads out sacrificially and with love and, and with a, a happy heart, like with delight, it, it puts me in a place where I'm like, I trust what he's doing. I trust things that he's wanting to do. I I trust the direction he's wanting to go with our family because year after year after year, he has proven that he sacrificially places me at the top of his priority when it comes to decision-making. 
And it comes out in big things. It comes out in small things. Some of the big things were like uh, being supportive when I wanted to stay home. So he did all of the things diligently and sacrificially and paid stuff off so that we didn't have as many bills because I wasn't going to be working. And he sacrificially and joyfully made that happen for me. And because I saw the sacrifice and the joy and the way that he wanted to come alongside me and help make that happen for me, it positioned me in a, in a place of like deep gratitude for what I got to do. I never saw being a stay-at-home mom as like punishment or I was missing out. on Like it was what I wanted to do. And there was great sacrifice that allowed me to do that. And so I was always very grateful to him for the sacrifice he made for me to be able to do that. So I made a point to um, always express gratitude and appreciation. I didn't want him to come home from working and then get an earful about how awful the day was. He's like, I sacrificed a lot for you to be able to do that. Like, why do you hate it? I didn't, I didn't want him to feel that. And, and because he was sacrificially able to provide and, and filter and prioritize I responded in that way to him with respect and gratitude and appreciation. And so there was in some big ways, I see it in little ways. We're planning to go out of town this week, and he was asking me, what day do we want to, what, what time do I want to leave? Well, if we go to the gym on this day, do you want to go at this time or that? Like, I am his first filter of, of thinking through things. I see it consistently over and over and over. And because I know that I'm his first filter of prioritizing things, I'll go anywhere he wants to go. It places me to say, whatever you want to do, most of the time. It's my aim. I will say that it makes it easy for me to say, whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do, because I know that he's already thought about it through the lens of how, how is it going to impact me and how am I the priority in that. I hope this makes sense. So when I, I know he's prioritizing me, I can, I can yield to him. I can submit to him, and I can do it willingly and with a, with a happy heart and joyfully because I trust him. Because over and over again, I know that he wants what's best for our family. He may want to buy something for the car, and I'm like, we don't, we don't need all that. But he's thinking through, like, what if we have a flat? And what if the car breaks down and you need this, this, and this for the car? It's like, I'm not thinking about those things. But I trust that he is, and I trust that he wants what's best for us. So whatever, whatever you think is best, I'm, I'm happy to sit in that seat of wherever, wherever you want to go, I'll go. You want to plant a church? Let's plant a church. Want to move across the state for ministry job? I'll go because I trust you because over and over and over again, that has been proven. And I know that he, he learned this from his dad. I've seen his dad absolutely adore his mom. And I've tried every Father's Day or birthday to express that kind of gratitude to his dad because that's the kind of legacy that is passed on. Because as great as his dad do that for his mom, he's learned that, and now our kids see, and it gets passed on. So marriage is one of the greatest impacts we will have on our children as far as leaving a legacy for them. And, and, not, and maybe not all of us had that as an example, but God is a God of fresh starts. And we can make a fresh start today, and we can make a choice today that this is how we are going to live out in our marriage, that when it comes to these two ingredients, I am going to do my part to bring my ingredient to this marriage. Your spouse may not be living in God's way for your marriage, but you can make a choice that you are going to be faithful with what God has called you to do. And then over time, you will see your spouse respond. That's what the word says. So when we trust God with our marriage and we follow God's way of doing things, we know that we are in a position of being blessed, that we can walk in God's favor because we are in authority and in alignment with what God has for us. So if it matters to your spouse... 
It matters to you. This can be in small things. Does it matter to your spouse that you pick up your own laundry? Does it matter to your spouse that you help unload the dishes? Does it matter to your spouse that there's partnership in addressing things like finances and parenting and schedules and travel? And like if it matters to your spouse, it matters to you in the small things and in the big things. And, and when we do this, when we're in right relationship with God and we're surrendered to God and we're, we're accepting God's authority in our lives and for our marriages, that's when we can walk in unity. And this is this, the second and final point for today. Because blessing follows obedience and, and unity commands a blessing. There's this really interesting scripture in Psalm 133. Because our, our marriage's aim is that of unity, is that of oneness. And, and in our relationship with Christ, as the bride of Christ, our goal is to be in unity with Christ. To be, there, there's this goal of oneness with him. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. I think culturally a lot of people want to take that word unity and replace it with other things. But unity is the goal. Unity is the goal. It says, it is like the precious oil. And oil just represents an anointing, that God's power, God's presence is there. And so it's this this really descriptive picture of oil, but it's really an anointing. It says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Running down, lots of oil. Running down his beard, on his head, on his collar, on his robe. Like there's a lot of oil and there's a lot of anointing and blessing and power of the Holy Spirit because there is unity. It says, for, the, for there, where there's unity, there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. If you want God to like command a blessing over your life, seek unity. Single, seek unity with Christ. Married, seek unity with Christ. And when you seek unity with Christ, you are, if you're married, you will also be seeking unity within your marriage. But our goal in our marriages is that of unity, that of oneness. We could consider Acts chapter 2. This is the story with the disciples where the Holy Spirit came and filled them with power. Again, that anointing, that supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And the, the Bible says that it's because they were in unity, that they were in unity that the Holy Spirit came and filled them with power. Unity is what Jesus prayed for before he went to the cross. It was unity, that we would be one with him. And we think about oneness, even in the, the picture of us being the bride of Christ. It's the two become one flesh, that we, are, that we are one with Christ. And even in our marriages, I think there are times where we come to an impasse, where it's the her map and his map. You come to an impasse. Like you can't make a decision. And what's at stake at this point is that of unity. I, I want to encourage you not to sacrifice unity for the sake of making a point. And a lot of time in, in our marriages, when we come to an impasse, what we've learned as two people who have strong opinions and strong personalities is that we, we both want to be heard. So sometimes there's this sense of, of fighting to be heard and we'll sacrifice unity to be heard and we'll sacrifice unity to make a point. I want to encourage you today that when you come to that point in your marriage where there's an impasse, to pause. To pause, just agree to disagree. Hey, we're not going to see eye to eye right now. 
Let's put this to bed and let's revisit tomorrow when we can come to it, not so triggered, not angry, and we can listen. Because if it matters to your spouse, it matters to you. And if we can come ready to listen, then we can hear what the other person's saying and we can care about what their perspective is because they just want to be heard. And if you have both people wanting to be heard, you have to listen. So it's better to just pause and not sacrifice unity for the sake of making a point because unity is our aim. Unity at all costs. And I think even in our relationship with Christ, as the bride of Christ, how many times do we respond to him that way? When our goal with Christ is that of unity. When we, we can respond to Christ by doing what he's asking us to do. Being in alignment with him. I just want to revisit this scripture in Psalm 112 that, that tells us how we leave a legacy, how we walk in blessing. It says, blessed are those who fear the Lord who find great delight in his commands. Our children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. So as we close out our time today, I just wanna ask like, where in your life is this off? Where, where in your life are you not receiving God's authority? And you're living outside of that. Hey, his umbrella of covering and, and protection and provision is over here. This is where favor and blessing flows. Where are you out there? Where are you weathering the storms of life alone outside of God's authority? Is it within your singleness? Is it within your, your financial habits? Is it within your marriage? Next week we're gonna talk about parenting, but where in your life do you need to come under God's authority so that we can pass it on to the next generation? And I know that, that marriage has this um, proportional impact it's designed to bring us great joy. It's designed to, to, to be a very um, enriching, love-filled aspect of our lives. And the degree to which it can bring joy to our lives is the same degree at which it can bring a lot of pain to us. And I want us to end today knowing that God is a God of fresh starts. So if you're here today and you're like, I have not lived like Ephesians chapter five at all. I have been selfish. I've done, I've done all the wrong things. Today is a fresh start for you. Maybe you're saying, I, I, I've been, I have not walked in respect to my husband. I have not walked in sacrificial love for my wife. Today is a fresh start. And if you're carrying unforgiveness, maybe even for yourself from the past, maybe past divorce, if there's hurts or pains that are still causing difficulty for you, today is a day to let that go. And we end each service with a response time. And you'll see there are two tables up here in the baskets on the table. There are communion cups. And I invite all of you today to take communion. And, and a couple of things that are key about this. One is that it's a time of repentance. Great marriages are characterized by a large amount of humility and forgiveness and grace over and over and over again. And so maybe it starts today with just confessing and repenting to God for, for what we bring to the marriage and deciding that today is going to be a fresh start for me today. Maybe today's a fresh start to say, God, I'm going to trust you with your design and I'm going to include these ingredients. I'm going to bring what is mine to bring to the marriage. And, and maybe there, that's not been the story for you. And today is a day where you can have a fresh start and you can repent and make a declaration that you are going to come under God's authority for your life. That may include 
And I would even suggest that it includes a repentance and an asking for forgiveness, even with your spouse. And that can be a scary thing to step into. But never once when, when Lane and our eye to each other have come to one another with that kind of heart, was it not received well. And even if it's not, you have to walk in God's way for you. You have to make things right between you and God. And I want today to be a fresh start for you wherever you find yourself on the spectrum of this. Maybe it's releasing past things. Maybe it's in your marriage right now. And and I want today to be an opportunity for you to come down, to receive prayer with somebody, take communion together and make a declaration together that today is going to be a fresh start that you can step into and it's going to take some courage. And, and I know it can be difficult when one person is willing to step out and the other person is not. If that's the case for you, you faithfully follow what God has called you to do. But today is a day of fresh start. If you would go ahead and stand and our prayer partners can come down. The band is gonna lead us in a song as we close. This is a moment where you can declare these words over your life. You can commit yourself to to accepting with delight God's authority in your life. And then you know that you're positioned to walk in his favor. And, And this is a moment of fresh start for you in your marriage. So when the band starts to sing, you're welcome to come down and receive communion and pray with somebody. But I'm gonna pray a blessing over you. I'm gonna pray for you as well. And then once I'm done, you're welcome to respond. Lord, we thank you for the gift of marriage. And God, I lift up those who say, it's not really felt like a gift. Lord, for those maybe who are experiencing pain or frustration, sadness, because of a marriage that that has not been God honoring, Lord, would you speak to them right now in this moment? God, would you give them hope? Hope that there's the potential of a fresh start. Hope that you have good things in store for them. Hope that that forgiveness will be there and that there can be complete restoration. God, maybe even those who are struggling in their journey of singleness, God, would you let them know that they're in the right place, that, that you've got a journey for them and that they can trust you with the process. And Lord, maybe for those who are withholding either love or respect in their marriage, God, I pray that there will be a a sense of trust where they will surrender to you and they will trust that you have what's best in store for them and they can bring their part to the marriage fully trusting you, that you're not keeping any good thing from them, that you have only good in store for them. So if, they're, if the husband's not loving God, that she will still be respectful. And, if, and if, if a husband's not experiencing the respect he wants from a wife, that he can still respond with sacrificial love for her. God, I pray that this will be a church with strong marriages, Lord. God, where the enemy has come in and, and caused division, Lord, we bring unity today in Jesus' name. God, I speak unity and healing and forgiveness and grace over every marriage here this morning. Lord, I pray for a sense of uh, of repentance in our heart and grace towards one another as we've received the ultimate forgiveness and grace from you. And when we didn't deserve it, God, you did it for us. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will empower us to extend that outwards to other people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, Tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.